Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Okay, well to Naomi. Anwar Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. everybody welcome to the Irish Passport podcast it's Naomi here and in this episode I am joined by two very special guests my sister Molly May O'Leary and her musical collaborator Fionn O'Halloon who together with the musician Liam O'Mwainley of the Hothouse Flowers have created an album called Lambent Flame the album is just out and it's inspired by Irish folklore myths legends and fairy traditions and it was all written and recorded over the last few months during a difficult time when the pandemic brought much of the music industry to a halt. Molly previously featured in one of our bonus half point episodes over on Patreon, speaking about the 19th century herbalist Biddy Early, who is known as the Wise Woman of Clare. The story of Biddy Early also features in the album, alongside songs that reimagine and retell stories from Irish and wider European folklore. We're delighted to play a selection of them for you. And if you like what you hear, you can find the album over on lambentflame.com. I'll put a link to the website in the show notes. Let's hear from Molly May and Fionn. Fionn O'Halloon. I was born in Berlin. I moved to Ireland when I was four to Wicklow first and now, now I'm living in Dublin and I'm a musician. I play the Illin pipes and various flutes and things and I sing opera and because of Covid and all that I now work behind a bar. My name's Molly. I'm Naomi's sister. My background is mostly in poetry but I also like singing and writing songs so I guess I'm like a singer-songwriter type now. I teach English as well as a foreign language. So how did this musical project come together? How did it all start off? So I had a few things written and I was chatting to Liam, our other collaborator. And then I just really got Fionn on board just by asking around for good pipers. One of the songs is a story about a piper and a fairy, like a fairy who dances for a piper, kind of to scare him. But I was just really interested in the kind of, I found there's like a lot of desire in in it. And I, so I took this story and made it into a song and I was looking for a piper. And then I just asked around and I heard about Fionn and I was absolutely delighted because Fionn's an amazing musician and also a great person. So it was really excellent to have him on board. So that's how that element of the collaboration began. Yeah, for, for me, it, it kind of it kind of escalated from there. I thought I was coming to do, you know, a bit of piping on this one track. And <laughs> then everything escalated in delightful ways. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, we what roped you, you in. You 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 pulled him in with your wiles, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you make of the project, Fionn, when you started to get to introduce to the kind of work that Molly was doing? I found it really interesting, actually, because for me, I mean, I was I was interested. I got to see the texts first, which was great. And I, I found them all really interesting. I'd be very interested in kind of folklore and, and legends and mythology myself, not in any serious capacity, but kind of as a, as a pastime almost. But I would have grown up with them and stuff like this. And uh, certainly my, my mother is German. So in our house, we would have had a lot of a lot of fairy tales as well would have been a big feature. Uh, child friendly, but not as child friendly as the Disney versions, I, I'd say. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, it was kind of nuts after that, because it's it's completely outside of my comfort zone, the way that we made the music, which is great. Because what I would have done before is mostly traditional music, where you, you have a skill set and you have a big repertoire and then you kind of you work within that and you innovate within that and you do things there. And then the other thing I do is classical music. I sing opera where you get your music a couple of months in advance. You learn it really, really, really well. And then when you're going to perform it, you, you kind of have it all down and then you, you are interpreting it and kind of shaping the phrases. But everything is there. So this was new to me because we 
had a very brief introduction session, I think. I, I cycled up to Molly's house and went, oh my God, where am I? Yeah, up the hill <laughs> um, with the pipes on his back. Up the hill with the pipes on the bike, <laughs> which I recommend so highly. It's a great experience. Everyone should do it. But only if Molly stars there with a big glass of water on the other end. <laughs> yeah, after that, it was nuts because then there was an off. We were straight into the studio pretty much. And there was a huge amount of improvisation and just trying to let everything preconceived go and kind of be in the moment, which was, I mean, the first day was really scary for me, actually. <laughs> Felt like I was bungee jumping without a harness or something. But it was great. It's really good. And it got it got better and better and more comfortable then and I really got into the buzz of it and there was another collaborator involved as well Liam um can you tell me about uh, who Liam is and what his role was in the project uh yeah so Liam's uh, a very successful um, musician in Ireland and globally he's he's the lead singer of the Hothouse Flowers and he also does a lot of traditional music collaborations of various types and he's pretty much the producer of of the album and we that kind of became apparent as we were going through like that he had quite a lot invested collaboratively and was kind of sculpting some of it so I decided to to honor that by like calling him the producer and but yeah so that's Liam and we basically like became friends online and then ended up collaborating so that's really cool and for for me I mean I would have had um Liam's more traditional music growing up I would have heard the CDs and so particularly there's a disc he put out that was Rian and I've I've seen him in in several concerts so when I walked into the studio and he was there as that was kind of nuts as well for me because I would have grown up listening to his music he's a fantastic musician yeah amazing so all of this was recorded in the Wicklow Mountains right what were, what were those recording sessions like the Dublin Mountains, actually, I thought they were great. Like it was like I, I think we all really gave it our all. Like it was almost like you know those sessions where people try to write a novel and there's like a they're like writing a novel in like 24 hours or something. <laughs> I mean, like we had some stuff already written. Like we had the bare bones of the songs, but it was really like a lot of the writing was almost happening in the studio. Yeah, I think um, there's quite a, there's quite a lot of them. Um discarded recorded material where I'm messing around picking various loops going what bloody key is this in <laughs> yeah we don't ask we don't mention the key oh no we don't ask about keys <laughs> we just try to find the right sticks of those in um yeah so but yeah no there also was interesting like one of the songs Cinderella which I really like now but we we completely changed well I, like I basically we went into the first time we recorded it and then it's really beneficial having the recordings because you can listen back and analyze them. And it was basically this one line in it, which was, I took the dirt and made a star. I took the cinders, made a fire, which was really working. So I so I just decided to do a demo where we looped that and, um, and then do melodies on top. And then we worked through that in the studio and it really worked. Cinders made of fire. 
so that was the only one that was kind of rewritten again but the other ones were basically effectively really transformed by the collaboration and by the um by coming together and in the studio like the studio environment has a certain magic i think it was because we practiced at home in my house phenomenal atmosphere up there (laughs) yeah the fairies were helping us i think (laughs) i think they supported us i mean it's unusual but i think they they were they were they were supporting i actually i don't want to i don't want to say anything i shouldn't say anything but uh (laughs) don't jinx it (laughs) don't jinx it by asking what key it's in (laughs) joe was amazing as well yeah, Joe was Joe's the the sound engineer in Hellfire Studio, which is where we did it. And uh yeah, he's he's great. He's a barrel of laughs and just an excellent man. So yeah. He makes a great cup of tea. <laughs> the minty. Many great cups of tea. <laughs> yeah, there we'll just tell you one last thing, Naomi, about the studio, which is there is um there is a whole thing about the the quality of the mint tea, because there was one mint type of mint tea that like blows your mind and then there were other ones which were like milder versions but anyway it, it became I think it's just normal when you're making a record there's all these in jokes and stuff so excuse us <laughs> it was great to create actually in that sort of a an explorative way kind of because we made loads of takes of various things and I don't think any two takes are really the same we got to explore mm. all these different directions during the creation process which was fantastic and I think I think the search for the perfect mentee almost went parallel to that. <laughs> Did you ever find it in the end? It's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm convinced the only reason you thought it was so much stronger is because it had been sitting there steeping for about a half an hour. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a different part of my mouth that was was experiencing the tea. But anyway, um, <laughs> you were saying Naomi, we should play some music. These are such rock and roll tales, you know, the mint tea. Well, of course. Yeah, I know. Modern. Yeah. Anyway. Are there any moments that stick out for you as memories from the creative project? I guess we, I I think like being in Hoth, um, like obviously we were in the studio. The studio was great, but also we had a few rehearsal days in Hoth. And like, it was kind of like, it felt like a dream because the weather was really good. Like the first day and Fionn like cycled up the hill and just appeared it was amazing because it, it was such a nice day like and we all just had such a good time in the house then we like went for a few swims and I also remember one time we like echoed the wood pigeon in the garden and it echoed back oh, yeah. at us and there was just there was like an interaction with Hoth as a place which I really liked that struck me and just I think just how well we all got on was a huge thing as well like it was really fun the other thing was the yoga in the studio so it was minty and then like in between takes we'd all do downward dog or like, um child stretches wow. and stuff and yeah, I don't know Joe was saying he, he found it quite funny you know in the 80s it was all you know drugs and rock and roll and now it's it's yoga and rock and roll <laughs> and we didn't even yeah we didn't, weren't even intentionally trying to conform to that but no I just remember one time they were all in we were all in child's pose and I kept coming up from it to see if everyone else was still in child's pose and then they'd still be in it and then I'd go down again and then I'd come up again and I don't know if everyone else yeah, was no, doing it. Liam and I were actually just having a nap on the job because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like when is the child pose gonna end oh never <laughs> so I thought I might ask about Ashling, which is one of the earlier songs on the album 
Obviously, the name of that song, it refers to something from Irish folklore, heritage and so on. Can you tell me a little bit about that song and and maybe the refrain in it? Yeah. So I guess I was really interested in kind of mythological conceptions of self, like as being kind of more integrated with ecology. So that's why I have the reference to the song of Amrigan and but also I was interested in this kind of self-dissolution not necessarily always as a positive thing so that's why I kind of say like one thing right and one thing wrong and then like a fractal burn so it's like it's hinting to this idea of unselfing but like a desire to return to nature but it came from a kind of angsty place But I also think that it can be a really beautiful kind of sense of interconnectedness. So that's that's what the song's trying to get to. Yeah. I want to dissolve, want to burn my fractals. I am wind of sea. I want to dissolve, want to burn my fractals. I am I think where I was it's really fun to try to try to kind of get into it because sometimes with uh, flutes and things they're usually not so much a complement instrument so it's it's an interesting thing to kind of try to find the right thing to add to a song and in different places I think Ashing was one which 
kind of changed mm. in quite a few places. So that was really interesting to try to go from one thing and then nail it into the next. I think at some point there was a key change as well. I was changing whistles or something in the middle of the tune from one on to the other. But it was, yeah, it was really great fun. And it kind of makes sense as well that trying to lose a sense of self because one of the a piece of advice that I got when I was up and coming and learning music was uh, from a fantastic flute player from Cork called uh, Conal O'Grada, who was, uh, I think he was giving a spiel on um, various technique and all these embar- embellishments and ornamentations that traditional players do and how, how easy it is to get caught up in trying to, essentially trying to technically show off um, to the end that you might do lots of really difficult fancy ornamentation, but sort of lose track of the music you're actually making. And I think one of the, he summed it up as, it's not about you, it's about the music. Mm. And I think that's something that I, I, throughout the course of this project, I tried to kind of lose the the self a bit and try to just play the music. And I think Liam was sort of trying to pull and push me that direction as well. <laughs> and that was a great experience for these things, especially like I, I'm terrible for overthinking things <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so it was really nice to get that. And yeah, with Ashling, I think it, it suited particularly if you, if, if I could just sort of let go and let, let notes kind of come out and just believe that it's going to be fine. <laughs> mm. That was, that was really great. There's a sense of um, that kind of coming together, like into a kind of musical crescendo and just like really running with it in the song Sun Child, which builds with a kind of like a kind of run, run, run away refrain. How would you see that song? It's that it kind of to me, it comes across like the album's big number in a way. You know, it's like it's also almost like for musical theatre where you have like one song where the whole cast comes and sings it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, well, it was wonderful, like, singing that in the studio. We did that on the first day. I think that was the first song we did on the first day. And it was just so fun. And then for weeks afterwards, the problem was it got, I got the particular way of doing it stuck on my head, so I could only sing it that way. So, But for weeks afterwards, I was playing it, and, and myself and my mum were, like, dancing around the house because I do think you're right that embodied something as a project, like, some kind of sense of a kind of a crescendo like a rising that happened between us and didn't belong to any of us and like just being taken away by the music in a sense but yeah I mean I yeah I do view it as as an important song in the album and as a very important message but yeah I completely agree with you that yeah it was it was just so fun wasn't it that one that was take three because there's two versions of Sun Child but I think the one you're referring to is the one where we have both Fiona and Liam in it and yeah that's great Oh yeah, that was a great one to get lost in. Kind of is really fun. Was slipped down, flowers cracked, you twisted. Run, run, run. to 
say to California to me it comes across as a sort of a step change almost like a little refresher course in the middle of in the album can you tell me a little bit about that one well that one changed a lot as well because we did that one the first day as well and um it was really happy like to be honest I was on such a high I just felt I could keep singing it and like dancing around the room and everyone was like, Molly, it's 7pm, like, we have to leave the studio now. And I was like, <laughs> my heart wants to stay. <laughs> but anyway, that was a different take. So, but I was really glad with how it changed because it, it the, the lyrics of the song are about, like, it's about, like, kind of nostalgia and, like, the memory or the fade of California and the kind of colour and sunshine of it, that sort of memory of that. So then I think then eventually we managed to open up this kind of dreamy space with it. And the guitar that Liam plays is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it really worked. Thank you. 
guitars, the fantastic guitars. I think it was one that was made by Frank Tate, actually, who's a guitar maker based in Dublin. He's fantastic. He, funnily enough, Liam and I discovered afterwards that we go rowing with the same kind of crowd. And uh, Frank is in with them as well. There's, we go rowing curls up and down the Liffey. Liam, actually, I only started recently <laughs> and Liam had stopped because he hurt his back. It's hilarious I, little connections. Like It's so funny, but it's just also, I've been writing about this project because I'm also submitting it for my master's. And I was like, it's not that just that the stories are about myths or in this case, fairy tales. The writing and the project itself and the making of the music was itself mythological because we have Fionn here coming up and he arrived by Kirk to the famine memorial and uh, he, he slept in a hammock in the garden and then he cycled with the pipes around Dublin and up the hill and everything. You couldn't honestly, you couldn't make it up. It's it's beyond history. It's mythological, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a fun way to get around and there's a boring way. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought we'd reached peak wholesomeness with the yoga and the mint tea, but then we got to the rowing of Koroks down the Liffey. And I mean, listen, if you ask my hands, they probably disagree with that being wholesome, but uh, <laughs> they've I toughened feel... up now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of like secretly trying to get in on this gang, but I haven't said it openly yet and I'm saying it publicly, but... Uh, I feel, yeah, yeah I, the whole Dave time I was like, If Dave is listening, there's another like... victim here. <laughs> another, another enthusiastic participant. Uh, Very good. There was a line in Thank You Witches, Molly, which reminded me of our prior conversation that we had on this podcast, which was about Biddy Early and the wise women of Clare and the stories about the fairies that you had been talking to us about. And this seemed like a kind of like an open acknowledgement to like prior generations and, and the history of, of this heritage. And this is something that kind of runs through the album as well, because one of the songs is also called Video D. You seem to have found this very fertile ground for inspiration. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I say thank you, witches. Like, I don't know if it's literally witches as well. I think it is, but I think it's also like just forces of enchantment and things in the universe that help or that 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 make life more colorful and interesting and everything behind closed curtains both clenched in trembling hands i could have gone to church wanted to taste the earth wanted to know the under wanted to be underneath say as well about the bitty early is like I think there's a political drive to why I'm interested in this as well because with her it's like burnt beat tried my sisters but also she had to say no to square in position in order to say yes and it's I guess it's like I really feel there needs to be a place for other modes of thinking and other modes of feeling and acting within contemporary life because sometimes it can be they can be shut out. I think there's a slightly a political drive sometimes. And then it's also partially just like, as you say, like an inspiration thing and a gratitude thing and uh, other stuff. On Red Riding Hood, there's an element of spoken word as well. Was that intentional or was that something that developed in the studio? Because it, it, you mentioned you've been doing poetry before. 
Yeah, so that basically I wrote the words of that one first and then I had like a kind of really low half spoken thing to begin with, which was which was like wax hair, coil lumps, knots, thigh strings like meat. <laughs> but then but then we were just in the studio and I, I can't remember if it was me or Liam decided anyway, it was just like we just thought we'd try it with whispering. And then it was whispered. I think that works really well for the telling of the story. And also it's kind of about like, well, like sounds cheesy, but like loss of innocence or something like that. And many things growing up, stuff like that. So I thought the whispering ended up working really well on like both a thematic and like an affectual level, one might say. I think musically, like whispering or having spoken word over something as well, gives it something a bit more like a certain amount of intensity, I think, to the song as a song which is just really effective as well. finally about the meaning of one of the lyrics which you actually mentioned earlier which was on Cinderella and you say something like I took the dirt and made a star I took the ashes and made a fire and I wondered whether that could be like a metaphor for the album in itself because obviously the circumstances in which this was made were it was during pandemic a lot of things were closed down but all of you took this opportunity to make this a stunning creative work so you kind of took what was there and and made, and had this kind of creative flowering. Do you think that that's a fair interpretation? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were talking a lot about alchemy and like the transformation of base metals into gold or like pain into beauty. And I think it's definitely about that. I don't know, or I don't think that at least it was intentionally referring to pandemic or something like that. But I think it definitely is referring to art making. What do you think, Fionn? I mean, I think it's it's definitely a potent context for it and that I think I think there isn't a work of creativity that was made during this whole lockdown situation that we have that isn't in some way affected by it because every everything has its context I suppose in a way and uh, I was working briefly and I didn't didn't get too far with uh, a poet called Dave Lord and on a project called the, the Touch Famine, where the idea was that particularly during the first lockdown here in Ireland, where we really couldn't go out and couldn't see anyone, that there was, you know, that's that's something that I don't think any of us are used to at the moment. Anyway, not anyone who's been alive since the Spanish flu anyway has been used to that level of, of isolation, I suppose. And to get an opportunity, and I still have it, to get an opportunity to make music or create something with people. I mean, I remember I jokingly said to someone, I was really lucky I got to do some singing with Irish National Opera during the pandemic. 
and I was having a coffee somewhere with a friend and I was just in a really good buzz after rehearsals. And I, I just said to him, you know, I made music with people in a place. Imagine it's crazy. <laughs> so I think that, that everything that you get to do now at the moment, or well, it's, it's clearing up a bit at the moment. Thank, thank Christ. Like oh, that sort of thing. But, um, I think it, it gave everything that you got to actually make that another sort of special edge, you know, mm. made those moments really valuable in a way, as in, again. Yes, I agree. I think it, it really, um, it, yeah, we were just so grateful to be in Ikachodi's company and also because making music is such a sociable thing, like, I remember I was in the taxi with Liam on the way back. Of course, Fionn was walking, um, but we, we were lazy and we got a taxi. <laughs> you had a bit further to go, in fairness. <laughs> anyway, we were in the taxi and uh, it was after the first day. And I was like, it's crazy. It's like connecting, but both you're more connected. And in a way, there's something different. It's not like conversation. It's like a different kind of connecting. It's like so intimate, but at the same time, not. Like it doesn't feel, you don't feel too vulnerable like you still feel like so it's like a really amazing thing just making music with people and it's true as well like on a neuroscientific level how sociable it is it was really special like yeah brilliant well guys thank you so much for coming on molly may o'leary and fiona holoon it was absolute pleasure to chat to you about the album lambent flame so thank you so much for coming on Addicted in me, that sweet reward. Content code in the ding ding rhythm of the exchange. What a great listen, and brilliant to hear from Pyon and Molly May about the creative process that brought that album together. You can find their album over on lambentflame.com. The link is in the show notes. And if you're interested to hear more about Irish folklore, Molly also spoke to us on a Half Point episode about the fascinating figure of Biddy Early and how her reputation for being in alliance with the fairies gave her a powerful position in 19th century Irish society that sometimes brought her into conflict with the Catholic Church. You can find that episode over on patreon.com forward slash the Irish passport. Thanks so much for listening and Sloan for now. Mm-hmm.